Lord said to me, I want you to give a 10 minute, five to 10 minutes. So I'll try to keep it to five because I got others more important stuff to share. But he said, give a five to 10 minute summary of Wednesday evening because some were here, some were not, some watched, some didn't. And so if you didn't watch, please watch because I share a lot, obviously, that I can't get to right now. But just as a very short summary, would you turn to John 7, please? A very brief and quick summary. Would you turn quickly to John chapter 7 and verse 37? Can I read it to you? John 7, this is the last day of the greatest feast, the last feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. All of Jerusalem is in, in, in all of Israel is in Jerusalem. The city is packed and, and it just, it's a, it's a time of celebration and joy. And uh, it was really a joyful, especially the last days, like the blowout day. And it's just like a big, one big all night. Listen, they went all night. They went till the sun rose the next morning. And I won't get into all the symbolisms of all that. I'll preach on it one day. It's called the, it's called the water libation ceremony or the water drawing ceremony. And that's all what the Feast of Tabernacles was about was about water. The whole thing is about water. And so it's very, it's not, it's not by chance that on the last blowout all night party, Jesus stands and he cries out with a loud voice so everybody can hear him. And he says, if any man in the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And basically the essence of it is Jesus is saying, you got to hunger and thirst. If you're hungry and thirsty, come, come. You got to do something. If you're hungry and thirsty, you got to come. You can't wait. You can't sit. You can't wonder. You can't twiddle your thumbs. You can't have a board meeting. You got to come. If you're hungry, come. And what will happen? Out of your belly will flow rivers. Now this is a born again experience one time, but it's also a continual experience because the Amplified says, and continually out of your spirit, there'll be a flow. The Greek word is a continuous verb. So there's going to be a continuous flow. So it's obviously not just getting born again if it's continuous, is it? So he wants us to come to him and be hungry continuously so that what? What does this mean? So that the flow of the Holy Ghost would be in our lives continuously. It, we got the flow of the Holy Ghost when we got born again and filled with the Spirit. But what about, what about Monday morning when you don't feel like you want to get out of bed? You need the flow of the Holy Ghost then more than ever. What about when you're standing and talking to somebody and they're against the gospel and they're mocking you and, and insulting you? You need the flow of the Holy Ghost then. What about when you feel a lump and you feel afraid? You need the flow of the Holy Ghost then. You need the flow of the Holy Ghost when your job tells you they're downsizing, you don't have a job after two months. That's when you need the flow of the Holy Ghost. You need the flow of the Holy Ghost whether things are going good or whether things are not going good. Whether life's peachy or whether the life's sour. You need the flow of the Holy Ghost. But you notice he said you got to hunger and you got to come. You got to do something and then you'll have the flow of the Holy Ghost all the time. So that's the first thing. The second thing, if you'd look please in the book of John, not John, what am I saying? Acts chapter, can you look at Acts please? Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. The Lord gave this out to me on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I shared it Wednesday night. Acts 4.31, and when they had all prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They had gathered to pray and to ask God to help them evangelize because they said, stretch forth your hand to heal. Give us boldness. And then the Holy Ghost showed up and filled them, but they already filled, Reverend Greg, because Acts 2.4, they got filled. So why does it say they got filled again? Because this word means a refilling or a refreshing and the Lord said, I'm giving you this scripture because it lines up with John 7, 37 and 38. Yeah. 
If you're hungry and you'll come, you'll have a flow of the Spirit when, you're, when you got born again. It starts, but it's to continue all the time. Now, this flow of the Spirit we see in the book of Acts because they already were saved, they already got the Holy Ghost, but they came back to fellowship with each other, to pray to seek God about growing the church with evangelism. And then what did God do? He refilled them, he refreshed them, and there was a flow of the Holy Ghost in their life. Do you see that? I'm giving you scripture how the Lord showed it to me. He said, I said to come and you'll have a flow. And the early church came and they had a flow. Now tell your congregation to come because I want them to have a flow. I want them to have a flow of the Holy Ghost. You can't have that the same if you watch. I didn't talk to God about this. I'm over it. I'm over worrying about what people are going to do or not do. I made a decision. I was called before you showed up and I'll be called after you leave. My call is going to be fulfilled because of God. Not you're going to help that. You're going to bring a supply for that. I need you. We work together as co-workers and laborers with God. But whether you obey or not, this church is not going to fail. Whether you obey or not, we're not going under. Whether you obey or not, God's going to take care of us. But God wants you and you should want to obey. So I'm over, I'm over this whole trying to push people to come. But the Lord brought this to me. I didn't ask him for it. As far as I'm concerned, I'm done on this subject. Because on, on April 28th, my son's 16th birthday, I remember, I was preaching on, during lockdown about Nehemiah. The Spirit of God fell on me in an unusual way. And I saw, which I didn't see in my study, it was by revelation knowledge at the moment, by the gift of prophecy, inspired spontaneous utterance about how he blew the trumpet and the people gathered. And I started prophesying. When this is over, I'm blowing the trumpet. And when I blow it, gather in person. Don't stay out because your children say they don't want you to catch the virus or because some person, even your boss is not more important than Jesus. When God blows the trumpet, you come. You can come with your mask. You can come and separate. You can come and do all that stuff, but come. And, and, and don't be a hypocrite. Don't, don't tell me that I, it's more dangerous to come to church to catch the virus. It's, if you go grocery shopping, you've got more chance of catching the virus than at church because you're touching everything that they touch and they don't sanitize everything. Have you noticed at the gas pumps, there's no little guy out there with a little squeeze, little, and he's doing the, people are coming and they're touching that pump, putting it in their car, putting it away, and, and the attendants don't care. And then you come and you touch the pump. If you're that worried about COVID, don't gas up your car. Don't lie to me and tell me that there's more risk at church when you can come, separate, wear a mask if you want, and we're not allowed to ask you whether you do or not. The government told us you're not allowed to ask people. It's their decision. But we post signs. We do our job. But it's you, you come. You don't have to touch anybody. You don't have to see anybody. You can come and leave. And you're telling me there's more risk than the gas pump? So that's called being a hypocrite. And even if there was more risk, this is how far your heart has to go. Even if I knew I was going to catch it. Jesus is worth it because he'll heal me. <laughs> he'll heal me. But you're not going to catch it and it's not risky. But I'm just saying, he, I'm, I'm over this. He said that on, on, on uh, April 28th. And then on June the 16th, I'm at my house in quarantine from California. And I'm expecting, I got a whole sermon planned. And I simply say one statement. Thank you for praying for me so I could be around my man of God, my woman of God. Because God spoke and blessed and helped me. And the Spirit of God fell on me and said, talk to them about being around their man yes, of God. Yeah. Talk to them about watching. Talk to them about coming. Talk to them about Nehemiah. And that whole thing went off a different direction. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm done with this please come to church business because I've done it 
twice. So when he come to me at 5.30 in the morning on Monday, and he said to me, I want to talk to you about the people coming so that they can have a flow of this. But I said, Lord, why? I've already said this twice. I'm not saying this again. They're going to think I'm manipulating them. He said, you tell, you say what I tell you to say. And he was firm with me. He said, it's not your church. It's my church. You just work there. It's my church. Well, I tell you to say something, you say it. I said, yes, sir. I mean, God, I know God may be different than some people, but I know the way he talks to me, he's serious. And, and, he, and sometimes he's not serious. He's loving and he's funny, but this time he was serious. And so he gave me that thing. And then he said, now, he said these words. Can I read you what he said? He said these words. He said, open up the gates and let the hungry ones come. The hungry ones in the church and the hungry ones outside the church. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. And I said, Lord, that sounds like the parable of the guy when he invited people and then they didn't come. And then he said, go and bring other people. I didn't even remember what it was called. That's called the banquet parable. Uh, and I didn't know where it was found, but I just said, well, it sounds like that. And the Lord said, that's what I'm talking to you about. He said, open it up and find it. So I found it. It's in Luke 14, 16. Would you quickly turn there with me? Just very quickly because we've got other stuff to talk about. But he said, give a quick review. Luke 14, 16. Hallelujah. And it says, and a certain man bade a supper, uh, made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began. Now God's giving me this parable, Jenny. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for some scripture to back up what I'm saying about attendance. God came to me and said, I want the flow in their life. But they've got to hunger and they've got to come. They're not hungry enough. The, the early church gathered and came and I filled them. Now you tell them to come and gather and I'll fill them. And basically then the third thing he says, I'm tired of their excuses. All their excuses, I'm tired of them. This is God speaking, not me. Because I wouldn't have talked about this. And so I don't, haven't read this parable in a while. I don't remember all the words. And I was shocked when I saw how much revelation there was in it. They all made one excuse. And the first said, the Lord said to me, I didn't even know this on Wednesday when I said it. When I got home Wednesday night, he said, you said it was two business things and, and, and a relationship. He said, it's not that. He said, because sometimes I, I learn after the fact. He said, there's three general reasons why people make excuses not to come. One is relationships. Well, in, in the order, it's one is recreation, one is work, and one is relationships. And I thought about that. Out of all the reasons people don't come to church, it's usually one of those three. There's some fun thing or something recreational that they've got planned. Or there's something to do with their job, business, work, industry that they've got planned. Or they've got some relationship thing that they've got to be with somebody or the person doesn't want them to come or whatever. I didn't know that, Greg, until he said that to me. And so you see, the ones that I bought a piece of ground. But if you study that in the original, it means not the, man, not the land the man owned. He bought a second property, a hamlet in the countryside. That's what the Greek means. A hamlet in the countryside. In other words, he bought a cottage. In Canadian, Ontario, Muskoka lingo, he bought a cottage. And he didn't say he's going to work it. He said he wants to go see it. That means observe it or have fun. This is recreation. The next one has a yoke of oxen. That's working animals. He's working the ground. That's his job. And the third one got a wife. He's so beaten down. The other two said, please have me excuse this one. Don't even ask for the excuse. He just, he just crying. <laughs> I got a wife. Boom. I, she beat me down. I don't even ask to be excused because I'm just, I got no energy left. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. As you know that. <laughs> and the verse 21 and the master of the house being angry said, go quickly and get. 
And he said, there's still room. And he says, go, listen, it says, go compel them. The word compel in the Greek means drag them if necessary. That means we're authorized to drag people to church. It says it in the Bible. I studied it. The word compel them to come means you can drag people to church. Literally. They don't want to come. You're coming. You, you got God's going to heal you whether you want it or not. You're coming. Now, he said, basically, that's what he was getting over to me. He said these three excuses. Now, can I quote you? I'm almost done the, the, the thing here. But, but he said to me, go back and read that parable. Did you notice the reason I opened it up was because the ones that were invited made excuses. I'm looking for hungry ones. If the ones invited won't come, let the others come. Some of the ones in your church that I've invited won't come. So I want you to open up the gates and let anyone that's hungry come. That's what he said to me. And I told you I wasn't looking for that scripture. He said, tell your congregation I don't accept their excuses anymore. Anymore, meaning he was accepting them for a while because of mercy. But I don't accept them anymore. They've been taught the word, tell them to obey it. Get your eyes off the news, off the doctors, off all these people that make all the, and just put your eyes on Jesus and put your eyes on the word and look to your spirit and the Holy Ghost will bear witness that what I'm saying is right. The Holy Ghost will bear over your fear, over your concerns, over your inconvenience, because it's very easy to get lazy on COVID. It's much easier to watch it than get dressed up, but that's dishonorable to the Lord. He expects your time and he expects your effort. I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, but also to the ones that aren't here. So it's, you're just supposed to smile and say amen because you're already doing this. You're just my, my encourager section. Uh, you encourage me so that the glaring ones on the screen, no, 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 very few, very few, very few are glaring. And even those, their glare is turning into a smile. Praise God. So this is what he said to me now. Uh, he said this to me. He said, uh, why was he angry? I looked up the word uh, angry. The word excuse, word anger means to stir one's ire to be passionately violent. That's what it means. It means you're aggressive. And because excuse there in the Greek means to belittle or to show a lack of honor for. So when they made an excuse to not come to his supper, what they were doing was belittling his supper, his house. He said, I want my house to be full. I'm telling you, I didn't make this up to end. God gave me this in the early morning hours. And he said, you're going to talk about it one more time. I said, I don't want to talk about it. You've already had me talk about it two times from two scripture references. One in Romans 1.11 on June 16th and one in Nehemiah 4 on, on April 28th. Why do I have to say it again? He said, because I'm merciful and because some people are not getting it. And I don't want them to open the door for the devil to come into their life because of disobedience and because they're watching all this stuff and they're processing through their mental filter instead of looking to their hearts. I want you to tell them, I want you to say it one more time. And when he says one more time, it means one more time. I'm not going to have, I don't think, I mean, why would he say one more time if he's going to do it again? There's not going to be, I did it Wednesday, but I'm doing part two and then it's over. I'm not ever talking to anybody more about whether you come into church or not coming to church. God is doing this as a rescue. And in my natural emotions, I don't even want to do it. And then he said something else to me. He said, make a list of all the people that haven't come once. There were 62 of them since COVID began. Not one time they've entered the church building. For whatever their reason is, the Lord said, you call every one of them before Sunday. I said, me? He said, no, your staff. When I say you, I mean your staff. I said, can I pick the one that I want to pick on? He said, sure. I said, Sue, call everybody. No. No. 
I didn't pick on her. She's the best one because she just loves everybody so much. And she's got a great phone demeanor. And, and, she, and she's a great help to me in the ministry. Yeah. Praise God. And so she, she called every single person. Took her, I don't know how many hours, 14 hours to call everybody. Had conversations with almost all of them. And had very positive responses. Of overall, very positive responses. People saying, I'm sorry. I have not done right. I've been distracted. I've been lazy. It's just been easier to watch. You're right. I'll make the change. Why do you think God had us call them? Because he knew it would bring good fruit. But even if it didn't bring good fruit, he's putting it on record. He's putting it on record. I'm pastors preached it now three times. (laughs) One from the old, two from the new Testament. And now you got a phone call. Remember we had the senior leaders call last month, everybody. Now you've had two phone calls and that's it. No more. I'm not begging anybody. You got to get it or you don't get it. But he said, you say it one more time. So I said, Lord, okay, I'll do it one more time. And then he said, now give a summary on Sunday morning so that they know how much I love them because I don't want the enemy to come into their lives. Remember, Pastor Jenny, you prophesied years ago, two, three years ago, the ones that are, the ones that are not hungry, their seats will be taken by those that are hungry. I don't want that to happen, but it is starting to happen. So let's all just be hungry. Amen. Amen. Then the Lord said something to me, which I, I have never, he's never said this once since COVID started. And it really kind of surprised me because I didn't know this, but he spoke to me in that prayer time. And he said, COVID is a demonic assault against the world. It's not just a natural sickness. There are demons behind it enforcing it. I said, well, Lord, I know that. And he said, but do you know why? It's not just to kill people. The reason COVID came, you can take it or leave it. I don't really care because I know God's voice. I know what he said to me. And I'll believe this to the day I die. He said, the reason COVID has come is to destroy the church. And I said, but Lord, my mind struggles and goes with all the other things that the world, all this other stuff. And I said, but Lord, what about this? And what about that? And And the Lord spoke to me. He said, the enemy is not concerned about sinners because they've already got them in his hand. They're going to hell anyway. He is not threatened by them. He's not threatened by government officials that do his will. He's not threatened by these conspiracy people. And, and there probably is a lot of conspiracies. I don't know. But all these high billionaire people that seem to be pulling the strings like a marionette. He's not concerned about them because they're going to hell anyway. Unless they repent. He is only threatened by the church. This is a spiritual war. And the Lord said to me, I've not heard many, I've heard Copeland say it, but I haven't heard many other people say it. He said, the reason this has come is to destroy the church. And he said, the devil has been more effective than you know. And then he gave me three things. And he said, now there's three reasons. There's three areas. He spoke this to me. You take it or leave it. I'm just telling you what he said to me. I'm the one seeking God at five in the morning. I don't know if you are, but I am because I'm serious about this and I'm not playing games no more. I need to seek God until I get his power and I'm going to seek him until I get his power. And I'm fasting too. The fast didn't just end with 40 days. The Lord said, it's a, he said, Hebron owns the fast. That's how he said it to me. Hebron owns the fast. He said, this whole, this whole, this whole seven years, you'll be fasting 40 days every year. I almost fainted. I said, what? He said, I didn't say you had to fast it in a row, but he said, you will be fasting 40 days in 365 days. And he said, and on top of that, I want you to have a fasted lifestyle. So my wife and I have already started. We're doing intermittent fasting and I have a fasted lifestyle and I'm fasting. I'm going to get those 40 days in on individual times as the Lord, you know, not as he leads, but as I choose. But I got to do it every year. He said, this is a fa- this, this, this has changed now. The mantle's come. The office has come. The world calls. The devil is roaring and you've got to roar back, son. We got to get serious about this stuff. So he said to me in that prayer and fasting time and early in the morning, he said, there are three primary reasons why what COVID has accomplished against the church. 
Remember, he's not interested in the, devil, in the world. He's got him. He's after the church. Number one, he said to close churches. And many have. We've got lots of reports of churches closing all over. Pastors just packing up in the middle of the night and leaving. Nobody even knows where they are. We know three in Phoenix alone. They're asking us to come and send a pastor down there to help pastor a church. And I said, Lord, do I? And the Lord didn't answer me. He said, that means no. But there are people that are desperate all over for pastors. Because they just up and gone in the middle of the night. They're hirelings is what they are. A hireling leaves when the wolf comes. A true pastor does not do that. He said, the second reason is to cause fear. And how many people, even in our church, after teaching what we've taught, have been afraid? It's ridiculous. You don't need to be afraid. I can't take you in the mission field with me. You're going to be afraid of COVID. Because I've been in lots more dangerous places than COVID. <laughs> you, you, you can't be afraid. You, you, got, you got to fight that. It's a war against fear. And number three, he said, if he can't close the church, and then he can't get people to stop coming because of fear, he said his third, his third prong of attack is laziness. He will try to get them lethargic, and comfortable with the it's easier to stay at home and watch attitude because he knows the momentum will suffer because when you bring Gloria your anointing and you bring Isaiah your anointing because you've got an anointing my little buddy and when you bring your anointing and when Andrew brings his anointing when Errol brings his when Junior brings it, when we all bring our anointing, there's a, there's a corporate yes. anointing that is greater than my individual or your individual. It's a corporate anointing. And when, that's why Greg tells me, he says, you know, this is before, when we were like, before COVID, he'd say, oh, even after, during COVID, he'd say, when, when I just, sometimes he travels, he has to work. And he said, I missed Wednesday or I missed a week, two services. He said, I just feel something's off. I just feel something's not right. I love Jesus. I'm praying. I'm seeking him. I'm watching. But there's just not the same. He would tell me that so many times it's not the same as being there when I'm there and I see people and I lift my hands and I'm able to engage the corporate anointing there's nothing like it now people that don't understand that stay away because they don't they're too they're too dense to understand the anointing he is after three things he wants to get he wants to close churches well he didn't win with us he wants to make people afraid he's partly won but we're winning that back and he wants to make people lazy he greatly won but we're winning that back it's against the church. It's to fray the fabric of the church because he knows the end is coming. He knows this great revival is coming. He doesn't want strong local churches. Kenneth Hagin said, the end days, this church age is all about strong local churches. Not just local churches, strong. You can't have strength without gathering because the New Testament book of Acts is our example and they gathered. Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the gathering. There's a power about gathering. The devil's afraid of it. And so he's trying. Let me do something with the law and threats. And, 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 and they're going to get sued. Let me, let me try to separate them. If I can separate them and remove them from the heat source, they'll get cool and lukewarm. And Bible says in Rome, Revelation 3, 16, if you're lukewarm, he's disgusted with you. He'll spit you out. It's better that you're hot or cold, but don't, whatever you do, don't be lukewarm. Don't just watch because you're too lazy to come. That's called being lukewarm. Don't just see the need and the budget and not tied. That's called being lukewarm. He wants us to be serious about this because the devil is to destroy. John 10, 10, he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. We're not going to let him do any of those three. Amen. 
praise God. Then he took me back to Acts 4 and he said, did you notice they didn't just come to get refilled and for that flow and for that encouragement and for that refreshing. They came to pray and they came to evangelize. And he said, I want you to make a strong emphasis on the second half of this year for prayer. That's why I'm doing the 24 prayer clock. And he said, said, do it all night long until I tell you to stop because people have to hunger again. He said, hunger, if you hunger and thirst, come to me. We got to pray for hunger, my brothers and sisters. And he said, it's time to evangelize. They came to say, Lord, do miracles, not just through the pastor, but through me. Stretch forth your hand and help people through me. Not just through Pastor Craig, but through me. So we need to increase prayer and we need to increase the emphasis now that we've had a turning point, now that we're open in terms of anybody can come. He said, open up the gates and let the hungry ones come. Now that we're like this, we've got to start asking God, what is my role? Who have you got for me to talk to today, Lord? Who do you want me to witness to today? Praise God. Hallelujah. There was a man that I didn't take the opportunity to evangelize and I regret not doing it because I was so focused on other things. It passed me by. And the Lord nudged me and said, that was an opportunity to tell them of my love and you missed it. So I'm giving you this as an example because I can miss it. You can miss it. But there was somebody that, that somebody broke something on our property and it was a really headache for me. And, and anyway, so they came, they came to fix it. The company that broke it had sent repairmen to fix it, but they didn't do a very good fixing job. So I had to call the original company who installed it to get them to come back and fix it. And they said they would at no charge. And so I was a bit more calm at that point. And I went out and the original company that broke it that was trying to do this repair job and they knew it wasn't working. And they were afraid that I would call their boss because it was their fault for breaking it. And I came out and I just said, guys, have a great day. Don't worry about it. I got the original people coming. They're going to take care of it. You just have a great day. And they started to apologize. I said, it's okay. I know this is people make mistakes. It's a human error. It's not a problem. And the man looked at me and he said, he said, I don't know how to thank you. He said, I, I can't tell you what we go through. He said, you have no idea how many people would just row off and cuss and swear and holler at us because we made a mistake. He said, I don't know the last time. I can't remember the last time somebody looked at us and said, don't worry about it. Have a great day. He said, I don't know how to thank you. You've made my day. Just a simple little, not, but just, it's okay. And the Lord said to me later, he said, that was an evangelism opportunity, son. You could have said to them, the reason I'm like that is because Jesus lives inside of me. I'm a different person. I'm not like the rest of them because Jesus loves you and he knows that we make mistakes. Why don't you accept him today? I had an opportunity and I missed it, Blair. I feel like breaking the thing again myself so that they can come back so that I can evangelize to them. But poor Jessica would beat me because she's the one that helps me make the phone calls with some of this stuff. So Jessica, I won't break it again. But we have got to... Oh, Jesus. But we've got to pick it up. Now, let me, let me go on with some more things. That Wednesday night, I was emphasizing as I was preaching, let's not make excuses in our attending. Let's not make excuses in our giving. Let's not make excuses in MOH. Remember, the Holy Ghost got a little ornery. And, and I got a little ornery with him about the, the fact that we can't even get enough KOP. And I will. I'll go out and teach them and there won't be anybody in here. And I won't let anybody else preach. So I was getting a bit, so I was emphasizing serving, attending, tithing, because I talked about the deficit and all that stuff. Do you remember? And then, of course, prayer and evangelism, that's been a theme that we talked about. So I got home Wednesday night, and as I was, uh, actually Thursday morning, and I was sitting there Thursday morning, and I heard the Lord say these words to me. You haven't talked about agape in a while, have you, son? And I said, oh, Lord, I haven't. And he said, did you notice the things that you talked about last night, which were just 
things I was grabbing at. They weren't organized in my mind. I was just pulling things that came up out of my spirit. You know, attending and the tithing and the serving and all this stuff. I was just pulling them. I didn't have an organized list in my mind. I didn't have an organized list in my notes. He said, did you notice? It's amazing how we're led by this. We don't even know we're led by this. He said, did you notice the things you talked about last night are the same five categories of agape? He said, they're the same five things and I, that I've been dealing with you since Monday. Because since Monday morning, he was dealing with me about the excuses people are making in these areas. So I felt him say, those five things that you talked about are the agape acronym. So tell the people, put it on the screen, remind them, and tell them no more excuses in these areas. So without even trying to, uh, this thing that we've always talked about, agape is the Greek word for love, not sexual love, not brotherly love, but God's love. Yeah. And God said to me years ago, if you say you love me, the head, you've got to love my church, the body. Amen. And if you love the church and you don't do these things, you don't really love the church. You say you do, but you don't. So attending, that we talked about Wednesday? Yeah. Giving, tithing, isn't that what we talked about? Assisting, that's ministry of helps. We talked about that, the KOP and all the other areas. Praying and evangelizing. Here I am saying the agape and not even realize I'm saying it. I guess God does listen to my sermons. So we need to get hungry. Uh, this is an unusual season. And he's carried us in the season. But now it's time to get back to normal. Now it's time to open up the gates. Now it's time to not make excuses. And now it's time to do these things, specifically with attending. Listen, I was praying about these things. The Lord said some of them have set their mind. That's how we were said it to me. Some of them, no matter what you say, no matter how many scriptures you give, no matter what you they have set their mind. That's how he said it. They have set their mind. That means they've set their will against them. Yeah. They love me, but they've set their mind that they're not coming until all the restrictions are over. Now, I know that by the word of knowledge. I don't know that because people have told me that. Now, if you've set your mind, if I were you, I would unset your mind because you're out of the will of God. And the danger comes is when you set your mind against what the Holy Ghost is saying because of your soul, you open the door. He'll give you mercy for a while, but he'll, you'll open the door. So don't set your mind. Don't be stubborn. Let the Holy Ghost reveal to you that it's his will for you to come. And if you look to your spirit, you'll see that it's right. Giving, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, ministry of helps, there's 44 departments that need to be manned. I looked up that scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Ministry of helps is listed in the same verse as the office of the prophet and the office of the apostle and the office of the pastor and the office of the evangelist and the office of the teacher. Ministry of helps is your role in the local church. And praise God, it says uh, in... Uh, in, in, where did I, I wrote it down somewhere here. I don't know where it is now, but, but it says they were addicted. First Corinthians 16, 15, it says Stephanus was addicted to serving the saints. Amen. He couldn't stop himself. If I can't serve somebody, I'm going to go through withdrawals. Yeah. You read it in the Bible. He was addicted to serving the saints. So ministry of helps, we, we, we know that it's God's will. And we know, what did I just say in the offering? Every joint supplies. You've got to supply. Let's bring our supply. Prayer, we know the hunger and responding, the prayer clock. Praise God. The Lord also said to me, I want you to start live streaming your prayer services. I said, live streaming them? Because I say things sometimes that are private. He said, if it's getting that private, cut the feed. But I want you to live stream your prayer service. He said that to me. I, I, I've never done that once before. He said, live stream your prayer services because there's people out there that don't know how to pray. And I want them to watch just so that they can start to learn how to pray. He said, advertise on the radio that you're live streaming your prayer services. Because people want to pray, but they don't know how to pray. Yes. Very, very. 
So we're starting this Friday at 11. We're live streaming it. That doesn't mean don't come. I need your supply. But if you can come, but you're at work and you're not going to get in trouble, honor your boss. But just turn on that and, and maybe pray in tongues quietly while you're working. Or if you're driving in your truck or whatever you're doing, and you can pray along with us, we're going to be live streaming it from now on. Okay, if it gets too private, we'll, we'll cut it, but otherwise. And of course, evangelism, it's time now. Uh, it's time. We've got the promise of life. <laughs> it's time to tell people. A place where God keeps his promises. Hallelujah. He does. So God wants us to focus on this. Now, let me say this to you as I'm transitioning to another point, but it's connected. Do you remember during the 10-part vision series, I shared uh, on one, I can't remember which number it was, but on one of them, I shared the different parallels. There was the Samaria parallel, the Elijah parallel, and the, and the vineyard parallel. Do you remember I shared that with you? Do you remember on the vineyard parallel, the Lord said to me, 2021, 22, 23, 24, 25, it's like the vineyard parallel. And that's when you buy a prop, when you buy a, a, a vineyard yes. with trees that produce fruit, according to Israeli law, you had to, the first three, you couldn't touch the fruit. They had to fall to the ground and die. The fourth year, you, could, you couldn't touch it, but you could take it and offer it as a tithe to the Lord. The fifth year, you could start eating. And the Lord said, and the same shall be for promise of life. He said, 21, I said that, shared all this, so please don't look at me like you're so shocked because if you look at me like you're shocked, then I'll know you weren't listening to the vision series. Uh, just everybody, whether you do or not, just say, hey, oh yeah, I know that. What are you talking about? We already know all that. We already know all that. <laughs> remember, remember? So 21, 22, 23 are years where the Lord said, you're not going to recognize yourself, son. Yes. By the time 2024 dawns, you're not going to recognize yourself yeah. because I'm going to do such a work in you. Yeah. I'm going to get so much flesh out of you there's going to be such a death process. Dying, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. There's a dying to the flesh, the carnality, our old way of thinking, our old way of doing. Do you understand? And then 24 is a year where, I'm not getting into all the parallels, but where we're going to be, uh, basically, it's like that's the great year of sacrifice where we pour the water on the altar like Elijah and where we present to God our gifts. And particularly for the glory center, it's going to be a major year. Where we, where we honor God with our, not just our tithe, but our giving beyond the tithe. He said, that's going to be marked by, that year will be marked by that, 24. Now we're going to start the Glory Center in 23 and we're going to end it in 25. But he said, 24 will be a marked year for financial gifts as people honor me. Amen. And then 25, we're going to get the building. That's his plan. If we all obey, we'll do it. If we don't obey, it will be delayed. But if we obey, his perfect will is the building will come in 25 and we'll now start to eat and partake of the joy of the increase of God. We'll actually get it. So that he gave me that parallel. But I want you to remember the first three years are years of death. We're already seven months into the first year. We haven't even talked about it. And Lord said to me, the beginning part of this year has been mainly about the attack and the obstruction and the revelation coming, which has been that first six, six and a half months or whatever, seven months. So he said, there's been a focus on that. But he said, you can't let this first of three years of death go without talking about it. So he started dealing with me this week and he said, uh, me personally, some things he wants me to change and do differently. And if you talk to him, I promise you, he'll have things for you. It's not just your neighbor. It's you. It's not just your wife. It's you. Uh, so he, but he was talking to me and he said, one of the things he said, one of the works of the flesh is distractions. He said, people are so easily distracted, young people, especially you're so easily distracted. He said, I want you to deal with your flesh. And he says, now, as you die to the flesh and deal with distractions and get the divine order of God in your life, which means he's first, not your work, not your family, nothing. He's first time with him every day, seeking his face every day. 
And then the, he's the chief shepherd, but the under shepherd is the local church. You can't be close to Jesus and not be in church because the church is his body and he is the head. They are connected. So anybody that loves Jesus and is close to Jesus can't wait to be in church because it's the outflow of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So when I say he's first, it's he and the local church comes first because the local church is his body, which is him. All these people for years, well, you know, family comes before church. No, it doesn't. That's a lie of the devil. Family does not come before church. Your children's soccer does not come before church. Because people have always looked at church being just religious church. You're not looking at church by the biblical definition. You're looking at it by society's trends. The biblical definition of church is the body of Christ. We, Hortense, is a member of his body. Bram, you're a member of his body. We are the body of Jesus. He's the head, you're his body. For me not to come and see you and fellowship with you and love you hurts Jesus. So your family events do not take precedence over Jesus. And since Jesus is the church, he's in us as a members that comes first. That's why doctor would say, your life should revolve around the local church. It sounds self-serving. It sounds manipulative, but it's not if you understand it. It's not because of me, and it's not because I think we're, I'm such a good preacher. It's because this church is Jesus. Together, we are the body of Jesus. We have to honor the body of Jesus. You honor the head in your prayer closet. You honor the body in your seat. Are you listening? You honor the head in your prayer closet. But you honor the body by coming and not shirking it. So we got to die to these carnal thinkings and these distractions. He dealt with me strongly about my life. Strongly about my life. Dying to distractions. Putting him first. Prayer first, church first, then my family, more than my job, my family, my children, the fun, the recreation, the cleaning the house, going to the park, all that stuff. Then my job and my work and make sure I'm productive and all this stuff. There's lots of then recreation, then private time, then fun time. There's a divine order. When the divine order is right, the blessing flows. When the divine order is wrong, the blessing is stopped. Faith works, it just oftentimes you're not positioned right for it to work because there's no divine order. And part of the season of death is to get the right order. Die to the wrong order and get the right order. Praise God. Then he said to me, do you remember I said in your bookend sermon, he called it a bookend sermon. I've never called it that. I heard him say the bookend sermon. He said, do you remember on on that great Easter day, you started with Oasis and then you did 10 weeks of the vision. And then you ended on the 27th with the part 10 and then the July 4th, you finished with the bookend of Oasis. He said, you remember that on July 4th? I said, yes. He said, you remember when you were talking before Oasis about the five things of 2021? I said, yes. He said, you remember what you saw? 
I was standing right here. My eyes were opened. I saw a mini vision. I saw the water, the walls of water on either side. I saw dry ground. It was this thing turned into dirt. It was a dry riverbed in front of me. And the walls of Jordan's waters were on the left and the right. And I heard the Lord say, for the first part of this year, it has been obstruction, attack, and the opening of revelation. For the second half of this year, it will be primarily about walking over on dry ground in joy. He said, you remember I said that to you? I said, yes. He said, so I want you to remind the people and emphasize in the second half of 2021. This year is about death and joy. And it looks like they're opposite, but they're not. You can't truly have joy if you don't die to the flesh. There's got to be a putting of God first, a hungering for God, putting agape first. Doing these things, seeking God, loving your family, working hard. In that dying to the wrong order and getting God's divine order, in that death comes a great joy. So he said, walk through that ground with joy, but dying to your old way of thinking. Hallelujah. So as a little summary, because of what he dealt with me so strongly about, I just put it as a little summary. So putting more putting God first. More attending and giving and assisting and praying and evangelizing. No more excuses. More death to the flesh and distractions and more joy. This equals divine order. This pleases our Father. I could add many more statements. This causes the blessing to flow. This will get me in the perfect will of God. This will cause my joy to be full. This will cause my cup to run over. Hallelujah. This year, my brothers and sisters, is about divine order. The rest of this year is about getting things right. Put the right order. Don't put the wrong order. Going to the gym over prayer is the wrong order. order. As much as the gym is important. Doing your cooking class and not coming to church is the wrong order. Going to soccer game and not coming to church is the wrong order. Spending time with your buddies watching the game and not your wife is the wrong order. And your wife stopping you from seeing the buddies with the game is also the wrong order. There is a divine order. You can get everything in, everything right. Everything will flow if you get the right order. Let the Holy Ghost, it's like a car when the things aren't working, it doesn't work. But when it's, it's a smooth, it's smooth action. The pistons fire smoothly because it's in the right order. Die to the wrong order and get the divine order and there will be joy. Are you with me? You're not too bored. Okay. So, I'm done that. Now I'm going to talk about the other I've done my sermon, but I'm not done my sermon, but I'm done my sermon. That's all he said. Remind them about Wednesday and then talk to them about go from the no excuses into death because you have to die to these wrong excuses. And then tell them it's going to be great joy. It's going to be great joy. Hallelujah. But you've got to put things in the right order. So many people put things in the wrong order. Can I be honest with you? Even what you eat needs to be in the right order. No, I'm serious, because if all you eat is junk food all the time, you won't feel good. Your body will start shutting down, and then you'll be up in the line for healing, but God won't heal you because you're stupid. You know what I'm saying, Jim? I'm not trying to call people stupid. I'm just saying people that violate natural law all the time and then just want God to heal them. I don't think that's right. God is merciful, and he'll help you, but he does want you to eat a piece of lettuce once a month. Or maybe every day. Or maybe some Brussels sprouts. God bless us. And if you smother the whole can of cheese Whiz on the Brussels sprout, it's probably not that good for you. Anyway, moving right along, that wasn't in my notes, that was for free. But divine order includes our diet, includes our exercise, it includes cleaning our houses, 
because if you live in a pigsty, that's not divine order. Jenny and I were watching David Attenborough yesterday on the, on the, on the discovery thing, and he, he's doing this amazing thing about the world. You know, they have these amazing shows about the animals and stuff you've never even seen. Even see. And this one little bird there in Papua New Guinea only lives in Papua New Guinea. He doesn't want to meet anybody else. It just stays in Papua New Guinea. And that little bird, you know, the, the mate, the, the girl won't come and date him if he doesn't have the whole place clean. Did you see that? Oh, my God. So he cleans that place to its shiny. And then the bird comes and watches him, the little girl bird. And the boy bird, he does this dance and the feathers come out. It looks like he's one of those Mexican or Spanish dancers. And he's jiggling and he's jiggling. And then he flashes his yellow thing at the... And the other little bird's going, ah, ah, And she's getting... And then when, when she gives him the nod, he jumps up and attacks her and starts kissing her. And God knows what else. I don't know what they're doing. All I know is that David Atterberg cut that feed real quick, buddy. I mean, he cut that feed because he jumped on top of her and then the thing got he don't want to ruin it for the little kids and i thought to myself even in the animal kingdom the men clean the house that's what i thought that's what i thought to myself even in the animal kingdom they clean the house even in the animal kingdom there's no forcing do you see that there's not rape there's no rape he not jumping on her and saying you're gonna kiss me he pleases her, he honors her, he cleans, he dances for her, he woos her, and then he jumps on her. Once she says, you can. But I, I, I called Jenny from the kitchen. I said, you better sit here. I said, I'm doing this to my own hurt. I said, my God, I thought you cleaned the house, but even the animals, the man cleans the house. I said, I repent, Jennifer. And I went and did the dishwasher. That, I'm telling you something about it. I'm talking about divine order. There is a divine order even in your home. And not just being sovinistic and, or, or feministic. Both are equally wrong. Well, we respect each other and love each other and serve each other. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, I was done. Anyway, I thought I did a pretty good job on Wednesday. I mean, I don't know. The anointing was there. I knew I'd... People were picking up stones, but I escaped before they threw them. I thought it was pretty good. So I get home. I'm sitting down. I got my sandwich, which I probably shouldn't be eating at 11 o'clock at night. But I said, forget it. I preach good. This is my treat. I'm sitting there. I take the first bite and I heard the Lord speak. He said, I want to talk to you. I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was so tired. I don't normally say this. I said, Lord, please. Let me eat my sandwich and go to bed. I will talk to you in the morning. Is that okay? He said, yes. But I woke up, man, I knew I had an appointment. And I woke up and I went out to my prayer thing and I sat down and I said, Lord, you said you wanted to talk to me. I know it's because you want to tell me how much you love me. Is there anything else you'd like to say? And he spoke to me and he said, uh, I want you to look at the numbers for your deficit. I heard you last night say you were in a deficit. I want you to look at the numbers. I said, okay, that's fine. I know we are, so no problem. So I went and I called the accounting department and I had them run numbers and, uh, to see the deficit. And then, uh, huh, uh, and I discovered that we're not in a deficit. And the Lord didn't want me to say that, but I thought we were. So let me tell you what happened. Last year in 2020, we were, what, because we can't do all the budgeting that 
by the last day. It takes time. It takes a few months to get everything organized. The government gives you six months till June 30th. We normally have it done January, February, March, whatever. But in terms of me knowing, not, not all the paperwork for the government done, but for me knowing where the budget is, it can take some time. But when we ended the year, we were in the hole. To my knowledge and my understanding, we were in the hole by, by a bit of money because it was a COVID year and everything. So the first Sunday, January 3rd, we had a good offering because people from the last week told us, many of them, I couldn't get my check-in by Wednesday night, December 30th, so I could only get it in Sunday, July, January 3rd. Could you still receipt me for last year? And we're not allowed to do that. If you give it, we have to receive this year. So because I knew a lot of it was from the previous year that had come in a little bit late, and I knew we were in the hole, I said, I, I said, in my mind, I said, I'm taking all of that Sunday, July, J January 3rd offering. It, it's not for this year. I'm putting it all in next year to, to, cover, to build up that deficit. So we started the year, in my mind, July, uh, January the 10th for our budget for that, for that month. Okay? Are you with me? Yes. And I thought we can handle that because it's a five-week month. So that extra week we can put to cover last year's loss, and then we still have four weeks that we can make for this month, for, the, for this month. So that was my mindset. And then, of course, the county department, you know, is always ready to talk to me. And I kept saying, no, 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 I don't want to talk to you. No, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Because the weeks are passing, and I'm seeing we're 4,000 in the hole one week, we're 3,000 in the hole another week, we're 2,000 another week, then we're back to 3,000, then we're back to 4,000. And it's going week after week after week after week after week, not hitting the budget at all for, for a long time. So I know we're in trouble, naturally, and I don't want to talk to the accounting department because when I talk to them, they make it real. If you don't talk to them, it doesn't feel as real. When they show me that stinking printout and then Rosita lovingly puts it in red. <laughs> That's why it's called being in the red because they put deficits in red, ink. I didn't know that until you showed me that, Rosita. I want it to be in black ink, not in red ink. But anyway, so I said, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk. But I knew that we're going in the hole, and I knew that that first offering was gone, and I knew that we were, whatever. So, so then I'm preaching Wednesday, and it comes in my spirit, this thing comes out, talk about the finances, talk about the finances. So I talked about the finances based on what I know. By the way, we're in a deficit. So I got home, and he said, check the numbers. So I had them check the numbers. A couple hours later, I'm looking at the numbers, and I said, oh, we're not in a deficit. I said, why? Because what I didn't realize is that monies had come in, which I hadn't been talking to the accounting department at the end of 2020. And so we actually ended that year flush. God met all the bills. I thought we were at least 70,000 in the hole. God met all the bills. We ended the 31st in a COVID year, perfectly even. And because I refused to meet with them, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> So the first offering, which was a good offering, a big offering, more than double what we normally get, was gone in my mind. But now that first offering, January 3rd, is basically been carrying the church for six months. Because every month, every week when we're short, it basically just is swallowed up with the extra that came in January 3rd. So by the time you factor all that, that stuff out, by last week, we basically have broken even. All the extras has covered us with the losses till now. But the Lord said to me, I was saying to your spirit, talk about money. So you talked about it, but you talked about it without knowledge. So the Lord, now I learned something. The Lord said, next time, if you don't know in your mind what the facts are, 
but you hear me say, talk about a subject, but you know you don't know, don't say what you think. Wait, learn, and wait for the next service, and then update them. So I learned something. So my bad, I'm sorry. I just heard him say, talk about finances, and so I talked about it. I didn't know it meant wait, because I thought I was right, but I wasn't right. So I said, well, Lord, let's not say anything. Joanne, we don't need to say nothing. I said, let's not say nothing because they just get a little extra. Ain't gonna, ain't gonna hurt no one. Just ain't gonna hurt no one. Let him give. And the Lord rebuked. No, I wouldn't do that. Well, actually I would, but anyway. Uh, but but the, Lord, the Lord keeps me straight, man. He spoke to me and he spoke to me in a different tone than, than the previous, like all the way he was talking a certain way. Then he said, no. He said, to ask for an offering for a deficit when you have none is wrong. I said, okay, Lord. He said, on Sunday, you tell them what happened. It was an honest mistake. I don't hold you accountable. But next time when I speak to you, get the knowledge before you talk about it. He said, but the reason, can you all understand that? He said, but the reason I'm having you talk about it is not to tell them there's a deficit because there isn't as of now. He said, but... If the giving does not change in the net, you're, you're, I've carried you. I should read that footprints prone for all of you. I've carried you. But if the people don't step it up. So then I looked and I found about 20 to 30 people in our church aren't tithing. That were tithing before COVID and have stopped. And it's not because they've lost their jobs. They've got jobs. They just choose not to. And that's why we have a shortfall. So the Lord said to me, I, and I'm not pressuring anybody, I'm just telling you facts. He said to me, I'm having you talk about it because I've carried you without even knowing you were being carried. And you're fine. But the people have to stop making excuses. The people have to step up in the agape with the A of give, with the G of giving. They've got to start coming back to where they should be in their faith and in their giving. Because if you don't make a change by the end of this year, you are going to be in a loss. He's already warned me. So he said, tell the people to stop making excuses when it comes to their giving. Are you with me? I don't know if everybody's watching at home that this applies to. I sure hope they are. But whether they are or not, I just trust that they'll watch the service later. So we are not in a deficit. We are exactly even. So from the time COVID started until right now when things are kind of coming back to normal, we have suffered no financial loss. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And for those that have lost their jobs, I'm telling you, if you release your faith, God will give you one. And when he gives you one, don't cheat him. Some people say, I, I have a job, but I've got bills and I, and I can't afford to tithe because they take my money. Well, then sell your house and downsize and lower your bills. But when you earn money, you, God is honoring. He is worthy of your tithe. You will open a door to the devil and he don't take excuses. He expects people to obey. You with me? Everyone's okay with that. So no deficit. <laughs> so then, then, uh, then anyway, I was, uh, huh. I was there and uh, I put my pen down and I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm kind of hungry now. I'd like to go get some <laughs> eggs because this had been a lot of hours in the morning early. I've been praying and talking, talking all about this in one day. And then some of it the rest of the days, but most of it in one day, Monday morning. And then the rest of this was Thursday morning because it was after I preached. And anyway, I was sitting there Thursday morning and I said, Lord, okay, I'm going to move on now. The eggs and the, uh, what should I do? Poached, scrambled, fried. And so I'm thinking about the eggs, right? This is just like you do, so don't look at me like that. What type of bread? What type of drink? 
what should I do? How should I garnish it? I mean, I'm really, I'm, 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 I'm in the spirit imagining my breakfast. And it's like, he don't care about the breakfast because I heard his voice and he said, uh, there's actually four, he said it almost like an afterthought. There's actually four arenas of finances in your church, but you only talk about three. Would you like to know what the fourth one is? The eggs took a back seat and I said, yes, Lord. What do you mean there's four areas and I only talk about three? And he listed them to me. Can I share this with you? He said the first is tithes and offerings and it's the most important because the home base must have a strong budget or everything else falls apart. He said the second is your Hebron ownership. That's what he called it. Hebron ownership. Remember it's a season of ownership? He said the second is Hebron ownership and that is secondly most important because the home base needs a home. Yes. Right? Now we've got Oasis. Remember the 440? Thousand a family for 220 families by November 7th and then the other 220 by June 30th next year And then we've paid off two of the three mortgages on Oasis The other one we can just take our time with because it's at a low interest rate And so, and then of course we're starting our glory center remember all of that yes. We're believing God for 10,000 per family 3,000 a year and then 40 businessmen <coughs> to give 50,000 over three years And we're going to have that five million that we need for the new building So Hebron ownership is number two then he said, FMI Go is number three. And he said, it's not that the FMI Go is less important because really your apostle's office is more important than your pastor's office, but your apostle's office has no platform if you don't have a home base. So tithes and offerings and Hebron ownership is first and second. But he said, FMI Go is third because that is the outflow of your apostle's office to travel and to preach around the world. Are you with me? And it was very, he was very particular about that. So this allows me to go to, uh, and it's also aviation, because the aviation allows us to go interprovincially up north to the native Indians and U.S.-based ministry. Plus, it's all commercial travel for Philippines and all these things. So basically, to make a long story short, uh, can I just, I got to just talk from my heart for you just for a few minutes, just to make a long story short. Our 35000 a week that we're believing for includes in it our travel fund. Okay? That's why it's 35000 because there's travel monies. We need to travel and do aviation all over the world. So with that 35000 that's included. Now, in 19, 2019, December, the Lord gave me a number to believe for for the FMI Go budget, the travel budget. And we were 60000 short. That's why I said FMI Go partners, I'm believing for 60. But that was in 2019. So... Thursday morning, he said to me, re-look at your numbers, which I haven't looked at for a long time on FMI Go because I haven't been traveling. <laughs> but he said, re-look at your numbers. And I looked at the numbers and I realized that I could streamline certain things in the congregation more effectively. In other words, I could cut out some waste here and there and different things and I could make it more efficient, the budget. And by doing that, it saved $20,000 a year. I, and, then, and then, so the Lord said, now, your FMI Go travel fund is only 40 short, not 60, to reach the number I told you to reach. I said, okay, Lord. Now, here's a funny thing, Greg. I'm learning a lot by the Holy Ghost. Because when I said 60, I said it, but something in my heart couldn't latch on to it. It's like I was sweating when I thought about it. And I've taught you when you sweat, it's outside your measure of faith. But I kept saying it and I kept saying it, but something, Tyrone, was not clicking. 
But when the Lord said, redo your budget, make it more efficient, and you'll see your number. And I looked at the number. We were only 40 short, not 60. And the Lord said, now your FMI go budget deficit is only 40 in the year, not 60. And he said, now can you believe me for that? And I'm telling you, there was such a peace. I felt so, I can, I don't know what it is, but 60 I couldn't, but 40, I can reach that, buddy. I got it. I got it. So I said, Lord, yes, 40. I'm going to believe you for 40. And the Lord said, I want you to start believing me for 40 and not 60 because that will, that will, that will cover it. So again, I said, Lord, let's not tell anybody. I'm not going to hurt them to give the extra 20. We could use it toward the new plane. And he spoke to me and he said these words, you don't ask for 60 if I told you to ask for 40. Use your faith for 40. And then when I tell you to raise it, raise it as the need arises. God is so specific and he doesn't want me to ask you for something that is not true. He said, don't ask for 60, ask for 40 because that's what you need. Don't ask for more because you don't need more. Not yet. So I said, okay, Lord. And then I said, well, Lord, maybe I'll just ask $20 a month. I don't know, $10 a month for partners, you know, because we had said 60, but that's too much for most people. And so I said, I'll just maybe keep it open. And he spoke to me and he said, do not keep it open-ended because when people don't have a vision, a number to latch their faith onto, it's just like mist. I said, okay, so you want me to give a specific amount? He said, yes. I said, okay, well, I'll pick $20. He said, would you like to know what I would like? I'm telling you, and God talks just like that to me when I'm, when I'm talking to him. He isn't always talking to me, but this was an honest conversation. And I said, yes, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I said, tell me what you would like. And he spoke to me. I mean, if you were there, Jenny, you would have heard it. It was almost audible. I'm convinced it was, but I don't know. It probably wasn't. But it sounded audible to me. He said, ask the people for a dollar a day to send you around the world and preach my gospel. Now, I know that marketing campaigns do that and World Vision and all these people, but I, I don't care about that. I know what he said to me. He told me, ask the people for a dollar a day. So I did the math. That's 111 partners at a dollar a day will give us the 40,000 that we need for FMI Go. We already have 20 that are giving $30 or a little bit more. And we have 18 that are giving $25. So I'm asking if the 18 could pray about five bucks more a month, which is a Starbucks, then we will have 38 out of the 70 We'll have 38 out of the 111, and we only need 73 more. But the Lord said, I want you to talk about this to the people, because this is important to me, God. Why is it important to God? Because it's to do with my apostle's office. That's why it's important to God. I don't really want to go in the natural. I'd much rather stay home because it's hard, and there's, there's weird animals and food and weather and danger and uncomfortable beds. And it's not something that I, it's not like a vacation. It's, it's hard work, and it's harder than being at home in many ways. But he said, this is your calling, and you're going to start going in 2022. He said, not this year, next year. He said, and the aviation is going to take off in 2022. And he said something. Oh, I haven't got there yet, but I'll get there. Anyway, and so he said, I want you to tell the people that you're believing, you're believing me. So I'm asking for whoever has it on your heart for a dollar a day to help send me in my call. This is separate to category one tithes and offerings, separate to OA, a Hebron ownership, what you're gonna do. This is extra. If you have it in your heart, do it. If you don't, don't. Any amount, you don't have to do one dollar a day. That's just what he said. Believe me for 111 to do a dollar a day and you'll have that deficit met. So could I just ask you to pray about it? And if you'd like to do that, we've got FMI Go. This is not me doing a sales pitch. This is God telling me you talk about it.
That's interesting because last week in the prayer meeting, it kept coming up in a lot of people's hearts. FMI go, FMI go. A lot of people said they were praying for that. It came up in my heart. And so, but I haven't talked about it in a long time. This week, the Lord said, you start talking about it. And he said, start putting it on the radio. Amen. He said, there are people out there that, that are going to want to support you, even though you don't know who they are yet. So Amen. these cards are over there. Now, almost done, but I've got to tell you one more thing. So I put my pen down again. Visions of eggs swam through my mind again. <laughs> I actually stood up to leave the room and he said, I want to talk to you about one more thing. So I sat back down and I took up the pen again and he said, uh, I told you four arenas. I've only, you've only, I forgot that he had said four. He was, I was so focused on FMI go, I left. And he said, I told you there's four arenas. You only talk about three. He said, I want you to talk about the fourth. And he said, I want you to do it this Sunday, which is why I'm doing it now. And he said, uh, there's a fourth arena. And he said, I want you to talk about the four areas, arenas of finances. You only talk about three, but there's a fourth. Talk about it this Sunday. And then he said to me, he said, uh, yes, the tithes and offerings is one. Always, uh, ownership, Hebron ownership is two. FMI go, which is your call to go to the world is three. He said, but you are forgetting something. And I said, what, Lord? He said, the spiritual sons under you that are about to plant works and one happy that already has. He said, there, there is a requirement on you to support them. Amen. Yeah. And I, financially. And I said, well, Lord, I know that. I mean, I, I know that. And so, but he said to me, I want you to make a fourth. Listen, I went through hours and hours with God. So I'm giving you a very shortened version. But because I looked at other ways, changing the budget, high, making the budget bigger. I looked at a lot of ways that we could get money to help these seven works. And none of it would work. It just couldn't work. I couldn't make the numbers work. And finally, he's like waiting for me. He's watching me struggle, and he's just waiting for me to ask him. We do that. Stop struggling and just ask him. So finally, after all that struggling and frustration, I just said, Lord, okay, I'll put money in a pot for them, but where's the money coming from? He goes, well, I'm glad you asked. You can't do it all the other ways that you were going to do. He said, I want you to create a second membership base. Not membership, partnership, sorry. Partnership base. He said, because I want partners to help your sons Amen. to do their works. Amen. He said, they helped you and FMI go to go. He said, but nobody helps your sons to go. Are you listening to me? You don't have to give anything. So you have to take that frown and turn it upside down. We're not asking for money, at least not right now. We're just, we're just. So put, so put up that, please. Uh, we have the... We have the Philippines, but you know, when we go there next year, we're renting a hall for a thousand people. We're feeding a thousand people. Yeah. That costs five to seven thousand to do it the way I want to do it. And so the money in the pot can help. Dominica, Dominica, we need to get on the radio and, and do things there as a pre-prep before the church. Nova Scotia, Reverend Dan, uh, you know, in Inverness, you know, he needs advertising. He needs to go on the radio. There's, yeah. there's things needed even before the churches start. Liberia, of course, is 101 things. We're going to buy them a truck separately, but there's everything from a sound system to everything. And unlike other parts of the world, you can't get a job in Liberia because it's 75% unemployment rate. So he can't even work, even if he wanted to, because there's no jobs. So Reverend Dan can get a job. 
Reverend Sandy can get a job if they need to, but Pastor Matthew can't. So there's a support we need to give him. Pulsa is a self-sufficient church, but there's more that we, I would like to do, and we do help them, but would like to do more. Delaware Church, Promise of Life Church Delaware, is also self-sufficient, but there's more that I'd like to do there. Promessa DeVita is our new church that hasn't started yet that Reverend Sandy will be the pastor of, but like Inverness, it's going to need stuff. And then he said to me in that prayer time, he said, you keep saying seven works, son, you have eight. I said, I don't have eight. I have seven. I gave him the list. He said, you're counting it based on the spiritual sons that have arrived. He said, there's a spiritual son that's coming for the indigenous works. I heard his voice as clear as I'm talking to you. He said, have I not talked to you about the indigenous peoples of your nation? I said, yes. Have I not told you to go up north? I said, yes. He said, have I not told you the plane is partly to be used for that? I said, yes. He said, have I not brought Brill Prankard into your life? I said, yes. He said, I have spoken about the native people of this land and it will surely come to pass. And then he said, and a spiritual son is on the way. He said, but just because you can't see him yet doesn't mean you don't talk about it. He dealt with me strong, Jenny. So he said, put as number eight. You don't know where it's going to be, but it's going to be. You don't know who's going to run it, but they're going to run it. So he said, there's eight works. You still with me? These works are not a burden to us if God authored them. Don't look at that and go, oh my God. If God authored it, there's going to be light and easy. It's going to be joy. So I said, God, where's the money going to come from? I said, we already support number five and number four from our budget. We, give, we save money every month for Africa. And we save money every month to bless Pulsa. Amen. I said, we already do that. But I said, Lord, there's six others. I don't know where the money's coming from. So I said to him, I'm just being honest with you. I said, maybe we should stop giving to Copeland, Reverend Randy, and Reverend Jerry. Because then if I don't give to them, I can put some money aside for these. And I said, Lord, would that be okay? He said, no. So I'm like a lawyer. I go to the next point. So I said, okay, well, Lord, well, then we'll lower Pastor Nancy's from 10% to 7%, and then we'll give 1% to the other three ministers. And then I can save money that is, that is offset from hers, and we can do these works. I said, would that be okay? He said, no. I said, so you're telling me that we have to give her 10% still. We have to give all these other ministers and, and Israel and, and all these things. We have to do the same thing, and that you want me to come up with money for six others? He said, I didn't ask you to come up for anything. I said, but you, you're asking me to come up with the money, Lord. He said, I didn't ask you to come up with anything. I asked you to, I asked you to trust me. I'm going to come up with the money. I said, well, then, Lord, please enlighten me and tell me how you're going to come up with the money because I can't figure it out in the budget. That's how I talked to him. And he said these words, uh, create a second partnership base. And he said, he even told me what to ask. I said, okay, Lord, I'll ask another dollar a day. He goes, no, don't do that. People will choke on that. That's what he told me. He said, I want you to ask for 50 cents a day. That's $15 a month. That's $180 a year per person. And he said, I want you to believe me for 1,000 people. He said, I said, $180,000 a year? He said, and that is only the first phase. He said, much more is required for what I'm about to do in these countries. Here I am choking almost over 40,000 to send me. And now he's asking for more than four times that to send my sons. I heard his voice as clear as I'm talking to you now. He said, make it 50 cents a day. 
$15 a month, $180 a year, $180,000 a year in total from 1,000 people. I said, but Lord, I don't have 1,000 people. He said, your congregation, can I show you the way, the way he said it to me? He said, ask your congregation to sow the first seeds. He said, but this is coming from the radio, son. <laughs> oh, my God. And then the spirit of intercession came on me, and I began to groan and intercede. And after that spirit of intercession lifted, I heard the Holy Ghost say, uh, he, and, then, and then I felt an anointing come on me like I was about to preach. And I thought, Lord, I'm in my prayer. What am I? There's no problem to preach to. And he said, I'm just giving you a taste. He said, when you do, we're going to do three live broadcasts this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. He said, when you do those live broadcasts, he said, the same anointing you feel on you right now, I mean, it was felt like a lion came on me. He said, the same anointing that come on you now is going to come on you on that radio. And he said, I'm going to have, you're going to preach and you're going to preach like a lion. And he said, I am going to supernaturally touch people's hearts when they're driving. He actually said to me, he said, you will get reports of people having to pull their car over and stop because the tears are pouring down their face and they can't drive. He said, you, you mark my words, that'll come to pass. We will let people tell us that. He said, some people are going to pull their cars over. They're going to be weeping. I said, the, it's not because of you, son. It's because I need these works done. And he said, I'm going to touch people's hearts divinely and supernaturally as they listen to you preach. And he said, I want you to believe me for a thousand partners at 50 cents a day, which is 180,000 a year. And he said, that is just the first level for it is going to take much more than that to do these works. And he said, if you will believe me and if you will obey me, I will give them to you. I'm telling you the glory of God came in that room. It was so exciting. And I'm not going to distribute the 180 evenly. It's going to be based on the need. Some churches may need more, some churches may need less, but we're going to just do it as the need. And so I said, Lord, what should we call the second partnership base? And he didn't answer me, but he did give me, uh, he reminded me of an image, a vision that I had years ago. So I got in the car, I took Jenny to get a coffee, and I talked with her about this thing, what God had said, and then about this image. This all happened Friday morning. And, he, and this image that he gave me, and can I tell you the image? Years ago, God said, you're going to plant churches in other countries. This was years ago, long before I knew about the mantle or anything. And I said, really, me, me? And I saw a picture. It looked like scorch earth. I don't know how to explain it. It looked like burnt, but it wasn't quite burnt. It looked like, I don't know how to explain it. It looked like a scorched earth. Like some war had happened, like ravaged. And I saw, and I, and I was looking up in the sky, and I saw me at a distance, and then it kind of zoomed in. And I'm standing there, and there, I don't know how many, I couldn't count. The, the, it was a sea. I couldn't count the demons. There was a sea of demons in front of me in a, exactly a semicircle like this. And you couldn't see the end of them. I mean, they just, it's just like 180 degrees swath, millions of them. And the ones at the front were gnashing their teeth. They hated, I can't express the hatred in their eyes. Like the gnashing, that's what I know what gnashing means after seeing it. The gnashing of their teeth, the, the utter hatred. And they were trying to attack me and they would charge. And there was this invisible barrier that I couldn't see. But when they would hit, and the thing would throw them back, and they would get there, and they would charge again, and it would throw them back. And it was like this, there was a semicircle arc around me of some kind of protective field. I don't know what it was. And I'm looking at them, and they're seething at me, seething. They're, they're seething. Hatred to stop the work of God. And I looked to my hand, and I was holding a flag. I'll never forget it. And I looked at them, and I'm looking at myself look at them. Do you understand? In the vision. And, and, and the Lord said to me in the vision, he said, do you remember when Jesus stood in the synagogue and the eyes of all were fastened on him, the Bible says. 
and he sat down and he said today this is fulfilled in your ears and they raged and they tried to kill him and throw him off the cliff and he walked through the midst he said now you remember that image can you picture Jesus he's saying these words and everybody's glaring at him they're waiting to pull the trigger and he could have backed off and been diplomatic and said well you know one of these days God's gonna send the Messiah he just looked at them and went it's me it's like Nemo when he had to touch the butt, the boat, and his dad says, don't you touch that, don't you touch that, and he looks at him, hmm. and he, ever seen Nemo? Jesus looked at them and said, I saw, it was that image, Greg, I'm looking at, they're seething at me, and I held this flag in my hand, it represented the work, and I looked at them, and I just glared at them, and I went, hmm, and I put it in the ground. And when I put that thing in the ground, the vision ended. God said, there's going to be much opposition, but they can't touch you. They can't touch you. He said, you will plant works. He said, plant works. But I saw the planting of a flag representing the work in that vision. Two years ago, God gave my wife a similar experience where she saw. So I said to Jenny, what should we call this? God didn't give me a name. He just told me the amount per month. I said, what should we call the second base? And she said, I think we should call it flag. And she said, flag represents field ministries, ministries, basically, field ministries located around the globe. Put that up there so they can see that. And, 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 but I saw, he didn't say what the name was. He said, you pick the name, but he, he reminded me of that image. He said, when you go and plant a flag, you start a work. And they're going to hate you for it but I'm going to be with you and it will surely come to pass. This is, now why has this never happened? Because the apostle's office has just come. We couldn't have done this last year because it wasn't time. So we're going to call it Field Ministries located around the globe. Okay? So what does FMI GO stand for? Field Ministries International Global Outreach. I'm a field. I'm going to minister ministries, field ministries. I'm going all over the world to minister in the apostle's office, field ministries, international, global, and I'm going to reach people, outreach. What does flag represent? It is the field ministries, which are basically like the promise of life churches under me. It's field ministries that are located around the globe. And so I'm going to be asking people on the radio, would you like to become a flag partner? So when you hear us say that, you'll know what that means. Now, I'm almost done. Let me finish this. The Lord was very clear with me. He said, while FMI go is about you going, son, them sending you, flag is about them sending your sons. He said, don't touch a penny of that money for yourself or for your, or for your, to send you. That is only for your sons. So it doesn't go to my salary. It doesn't go to my airplane. It doesn't go to anything. It doesn't go to this church. It only goes to these works. He said, uh, while Ephemago is funding you as an apostle, the flag is funding the sons to go and do the work I've called them under you. And then he said to me this. He said, lead by example, son. He said, you give tithes and offerings to fund the home base, do you not? I said, yes. He said, you give toward the Hebron ownership, do you not? I said, yes. He said, I want you. He said, you were the largest giver last year in 2020, were you not? I said, yes. He said, so you've set an example for the congregation. He said, likewise, set an example, personally become an FMI Go partner yourself and become a flag partner yourself and your wife and your children. So as soon as I ended that prayer time, I went and I got my budget. 
which is you don't have a budget, you should, because you're going dead if you don't. And I cut my budget, and I know exactly where our budget is, and we have a little bit of miscellaneous at the end of each month that is for whatever we need in case something goes up or whatever. And I took, I said, $45 for me, $45 for Jenny, that's 30 and 15. And then I said, Lord, what about my sons? And he said, have them be a quarter partner each. That's how he said it to me. He said, have them be a quarter partner each. So $11.25 comes out of their piggy bank every month to cover that $45 for FMI going for flag. And then I heard the Lord say these words, get the children involved. He said, they spend money on video games. They spend money on this and that and all these other things. Teach the next generation the value of going to the world. Teach the next generation the value of sowing into works. My sons tithe on everything that comes into the home base, but I've got to train them the value of sending me as an apostle. I've got to train them the value of sending Pastor Happy and Pastor Sandy and all these other ones. I've got to train the value because the, the world does not train them in these values. So I, I encourage you to get the children involved. And there's no waste. There's no overhead. There's no salaries. There's not t- I don't touch any of this. Now, this might help what, some of the salaries of some of those seven works. Sure if they need it urgently, because most of them are going to be getting jobs anyway, but it is only to help the works. Are you with me? So put up the logo on Friday. We did all this in one day, but, but that's our little logo because really it's like we're a team. It's like we're soldiers. It's like we're working together and we're planting a flag and we're planting the promise of life flag, the field ministries flag in these different countries. These are what, this is the part of the apostles office and it's what he's, it's what God has called us to do. Okay, you understand me? That's from that iconic image of, of them on Iwo Jima. But I didn't want to use the exact picture because, it, you know, I don't, don't think that's appropriate to do that. So we just got a, a, Corinne is an amazing artist and she did an artist rendition of that picture for me, which is an exact replica. But, but that's really what it is. It's not just me. She sent one of, of just one guy planting a flag. And I really liked it because the guy was muscular. And I thought, this is a prophecy. This is, this is about me. This is a prophecy about what I'm going to look like. I mean, he was muscular. I mean, he looked like Brandon. He was just like muscular. Not like me and you, Greg, like Brandon or like Andrew. Just muscular. Happy you're almost there. Muscular, muscular. But I said, Lord, is it just me? And I said, it's not just me doing this. It's a team. So I picked an image that has a team because this is all about a team. Part of that is me. Part of that is the person going. But part of that is you. When you sow, you plant a flag. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I just want to, I want to let you know, I feel like the puzzle pieces have finally clicked now. He said there's four areas that people are sowing. Tithes and offerings. Most churches only have one. Tithes and offerings is first. The Hebron ownership, which is the new building, is second. And then to send me to go and preach is third and to send my sons to go is fourth. So if you'd like to be a partner, we have a sign-up sheet. We haven't even had time to print cards or packages, but we're going to be talking about it on the radio. God's going to give me a thousand people to help that work. And if you'd like to be some of the first seeds at $15 a month, any amount is fine, but I'm looking for $15 a month because that's what he said to me. If you'd like to be a first seed to help my sons and my daughters, then please would you pray about what God would have you do. If you'd like, this is beyond your tithes and offerings and your building stuff, your Hebron stuff. If, if you'd like to help me go around the world and be a part of that 73, I need 73 more. If you'd like to do a dollar a day to help send me, I promise you it'll come back to you. God will honor the seed you sow. Hallelujah. What did he say? We're going to hunger and thirst and we're going to be filled. We're going to have divine and right order. We're going to give, we're going to do the agape acronym. We're going to not make excuses. We're going to make the adjustments. And it will all come to pass. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
So happy, it's all going to be well, my brother. Amen. Reverend Sand Sandy, it's all going to be well. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Philippines, popes, the pope is going to the Philippines. We'll get thousands of people. You just say that, it's a Catholic country. We'll pack it out, brother. Just, just cut the S out of your name. Just say the pope is coming. A we'll, we'll, little bit false advertising, but we'll get them. Dominica, they don't even know what's coming. They don't even know the fire, the spark plug that's about to light a fire in their midst. Praise God. Hallelujah. And Pastor Matthew, I know you're watching. Africa awaits. Pastor Mammy, God bless you for helping us with Delaware. Hallelujah. And, and Pastor Reverend Sandra for traveling all over the world and for helping us. And Reverend Taylor for being a part of us here. And Reverend Dan watching for, for Nova Scotia. And whoever you are, my son, that's coming for the native Indian people, come, 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 come. Because the glory of God's going to hit those places. Uh, Taylor had a vision, a little mini vision years ago, and he saw a man with a headdress with all the feathers, and he was born again praying in the Holy Ghost, and he was telling CP24, wasn't it? Yes. He was telling them on the news about they came to preach about this God to me, and, they, and I'm free, and, I'm, and he was a born-again chief, but he was preaching the gospel with his feathers on CP24. We're going to see that, especially with all the government hub hub baloo or whatever about the indigenous, and now our governor general, and they're trying to placate. Well, that's fine to placate. Bless them. They deserve their been mistreated for years. Bless them, but we're going to get the gospel to them. It's not just about giving them handouts and casinos and money. It's about getting the gospel to them. I'm telling you, there's going to be the glory come on those reservations. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you. We are hungry. Come unto me, all ye that thirst and waters of rivers of living water will flow out of your being. Father, we hunger after you. We love you. We thirst after you. Lord, we're putting you first. We're making you number one. We're not making excuses. Father, we're going to gather and be refreshed and fulfill the plan and run in Hebron. We're going to have the divine order in our life. We're going to attend and we're going to give and we're going to be in ministry of helps and pray and evangelism. And then all the other things in our life will come together because you said, seek me first. Put these things first with me and with my church and all these things will be added unto you. In Matthew 6, Lord, let all the rest of our life fall into place because we put the divine order right Father, I thank you for FMI Go. I thank you for all the partners that I need. I'm not asking for a penny more than what you told me. I thank you for those 73 partners. I thank you for the thousand partners. Well, really less, Lord, because my wife and my, and my sons and I said so we need 997 to go. So, Father, I thank you for the 997 partners for FLAG to send my sons around the world to establish works. I thank you as I preach on the radio this week, you'll fall upon the right people's hearts, that they will give generously and that they will become partners, FLAG partners to help the gospel get around the earth. Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory. Thank you for all that you've shown me this week. Thank you for the hearts of the people that were so hungry today. Even though I went long, they were so receptive and so hungry. I honor them and I thank you for them. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen.